Monday, August 8th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, sitting in for Chris Hill this week. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Global Gains, Tim Hansen, and from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Mann and Bill Barker. Guys, welcome. Hey, Matt, Can I just back? say that Chris took a very interesting time to take a vacation? I know. It is, man, I tell you, Chris leaves and the market just I'm gonna say, you, Hey, have you ever seen Chris Hill? And a market decline in the same room at the same time? Interesting. I'm, I'm just saying. Conspiracy theory. I like it. Well, we are taping this Monday afternoon. The market is down almost 4% at the time of this taping. Um, Tim, we are seeing the market's reaction to the S&P downgrade. Your thoughts? Obviously, they are unhappy about something. And uh, I, I, I suspect it has to do with uncertainty. Uh, investors, the market, hate uncertainty. Um, and we're getting a lot of questions on Fool.com right now about people who are invested and, and near retirement, and what should they do? And obviously, the thing that they're all doing on mass, and I think this is probably true of a lot of um, institutions who, who don't want to get caught either, is just panicking. Pan- <laughs> well, or pulling out as, as until some certainty comes back. And obviously, yeah. you know, for longer-term investors, that's a reasonable thing because certainty will come back, just as it came back, you know, a couple years ago and a couple years before that, and so on and so forth. So. Uh, it's all about perspective, but but that's what people are doing. You know, there is uncertainty, and this is how people respond. Yeah, you know, I think that that really what we've seen is a uh, is is a symbolic thing that happened over this weekend because the U.S. Treasury was the default for the risk free rate that was available. You know, for any security, you would start with the risk free rate, and that was always considered to be the U.S. Treasury's. And you know, it's just not true anymore. I mean, that you know, you it is the core financial instrument for global finance double A plus. And I think there's going to be you know, this going to take some time before people figure out exactly what it is that, uh, you know, how things are supposed to be structured. Bill Barker. Well, I, I agree uh, with Bill that once you've got the risk free rate changing, uh, everything that works off of that, which is everything globally in finance has to be revalued. So uh, although this was a very, very, very well telegraphed thing, uh, and at a certain level was a surprise to no one still to reweight uh, the benchmark against which everything is valued. Uh, it makes a lot of people uh, do that revaluation, and we're seeing the effects today. So where do you think the downgrade will be felt the most, though? Just following up on what Bill just said there, um, we've got obviously – individual investors affected. We've got consumers. We've got funds and institutions. Um, we've got foreign creditors like China. Where are we going to see this play out the most, and where do you think it's being overstated? I mean, beyond today, I'm not sure people are going to feel it in their everyday life, you know, in, in, a, in a significant way. I mean, today hurts, and it's almost a tangible representation of, you know, the the, the, the gap that happened between Friday and, and, and today. But, you know, going forward, obviously people are adjusting, as, as Bill pointed out. But you know, the net effect can't be all that great. You know, take China as an example. They're not going to go start moving into a now a different AAA rated security because they can't. They can. There's just not enough yeah. liquidity anywhere else. So yeah. at the end of the day, the rate is dictated not just by what the S&P says its rating is, but actually by physically where people can park money. And in that regard, the United States is still number one. Yeah. And specifically, the United States government securities right. are still, Absolutely. Are still You know, one would hope that the place where this would be felt the greatest would be in, in the halls of Congress, that, that they would take That's some... Yes. <laughs> That's why I said hope. <laughs> one would hope. One doesn't expect that that'll, that'll be the way things play out. But this, this is part of the conversation between, say, reality and Congress. Uh, and Congress is going to distance itself from the reality conversation yeah. for as long as it can 
or until the election, if possible, uh, and then will try to distance itself from that conversation until the next election. It would re- be really nice to see a little more usage of both brains and spines across the river from us. But, you know, I, I was very disheartened more than anything else. I was I was disheartened by the uh, the blame game this, that happened over the weekend, not only between Republicans and Democrats, but between, you know, the Treasury Department going after the S&P. I, it just you know, and to, that little thing between you and your wife on the dishes. That's I mean, why why blame each other about that? <laughs> so so you say the Treasury Department going after the S and P. There's a lot of discussion about whether the S and P overstepped their boundaries. No, this is their boundary. I mean, this is what they're supposed to do. I mean, is there an argument to be made that the S and P is you know is is doing something that's political, or are they trying to regain some face, having blown it so badly during the <laughs> 2007 and 2008? I mean, that's possible, but. You know, at the end of the day, their job is is to rate, and that is something that should happen absent of passion and absent of politics. And um, on a conference call today, um, S&P officials said that the U.S. is unlikely to get its AAA rating back anytime soon and still faces the possibility of further downgrades. Um, but one of the interesting things that really struck me was the S&P said, in terms of this downgrade, they said, quote, it's like going from indigo to navy blue. Indigo. So really minimizing it, the S and P did <laughs> indigo. And, and if that's true, who in, came up with that? In, indigo. That is the worst analogy I've ever heard. And indigo felt a whole lot better. And I don't even know what indigo <laughs> that's is. That's because it's fancy. <laughs> so is that though? I mean, do you share? I mean, is is this essentially a very minimal downgrade? Sort that, of. I mean, double A plus is. I mean, it's not risk free, but it's it is a very very high rating. You know. I mean, it's obviously navy blue. It's only one away I from mean, mystery. Doesn't, I mean, doesn't, doesn't that help everybody understand? What's the difference between AAA and AA plus? It's the same difference as indigo to navy blue. Back to you, Mac. Yeah. <laughs> Thank Believe you. me. I, if I just had some marijuana handy, I could figure out what that meant. I, I had to I go- play some folk songs for you. <laughs> okay, so... Another interesting development on Monday was that Moody- Wait, did we cover that topic for you? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. I felt satisfied. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that may come out of the show. I'm not sure. Um, another interesting topic is Moody's reaffirming their rating. They stuck with their AAA rating. Um, they also have a negative outlook, though. Who so does? In, in terms of, so for, for those of us not steeped in the ratings world, explain this Moody's S&P dynamic. I mean, is this a Coke and Pepsi, and who ultimately has more clout? It's kind of a tie. I mean, so basically, there are three. There, the, the the ratings agencies have a bit of a monopoly, and 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 it's a publisher's monopoly. You know, so they they get to put their opinions out on you know on on uh, on various uh, credit risks and various uh, credit instruments, and they get to see a well, lot of the. Well, they don't, we don't get see. to; they get paid to by by the yeah, but, you know entities that that pay them for these ratings, which is the really true. weird part of the system. That's true. So potential conflict there. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I think that this was one of these things that came out. See, 2008. But it's a reputational thing. So obviously the three of them, to the extent they do compete, you know, generally speaking, they all hew to the same opinion for the most part. And then uh, occasionally one may go off the reservation just slightly as the S&P has done now. And if this works out in the S&P's favor and it looks like they were right, well, then they gain some credibility down the line. If it doesn't, um, you know. The other two didn't didn't take the same risk. <laughs> we didn't need those guys anyway. You know, it's just one of those. It's a bizarre little oligarchy in, in a lot of ways. And in terms of countries that have lost their AAA ratings, Australia, Canada, Denmark, Finland, Sweden, um, S and P noted today that the quickest that any of them regained it was nine years. So, Bill Mann, the U.S. could have this AA plus status for a while. 
the thing that made me the most nervous is that they that they cut the rating and then immediately put it on a negative outlook, which I mean, at some point, if you go down from double A, you start getting to the point where there are a lot of instruments that can't statutorily hold treasuries anymore. So when does that matter for institutions and for funds? One more step down. Okay. One more step down. So like the repo market has to be backed by basically risk-free paper. So if you're at two notches below AAA, a lot of groups are going to be forced to sell. One more thing that the S&P mentioned on this call was um, France. And, and they cited France as an example of a country that maintained its AAA rating. Um, and one way France did that was by raising the retirement age. So To 30. <laughs> so is that a preview of coming attractions here in the U.S.? Are we going to have to raise the retirement age? Uh, effectively, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is going to be one of the things that, that ultimately or soon is is worked into Social Security. Yeah, the retirement age will continue to be raised throughout throughout our lifetimes, I imagine. Yeah, but this is also where the, the, the sniff test of this whole situation gets a little weird. You know, if I were to say, you know, here, you can invest in France— or you can invest in the United States, which you know, which are you picking right I mean, now? The cost of insuring French credits is lower than the the cost of insuring American credits right now. Right, but does that I mean does, you know, looking at just sort of a boots on the ground type entanglements yeah. issue? I mean, who would you rather be? I mean, it, especially a, in August, don't they take holiday? And, <laughs> I mean, it's, I a get, bit, it's a bit of an academic <laughs> question, but but you know, I mean, France obviously, if they start stepping up to backstop the uh, the EU, they're not going to have that AAA rating necessarily for for long. Um, well, they I, can't I, inflate what, by themselves. No, they can't. Right. I mean, a credit rating isn't the be all and end all of uh, you know every element of of investment uh, criteria. But I, I think what Mac is saying is they're quoting S and P saying. France has taken a legitimately meaningful step yeah. to maintain, you know, its financial picture, whereas the U.S. went through this, you know, song and dance thing. And what they came up with at the end was a Garbage. little bit of a joke. Yeah. Why can't you be more like your brother? <laughs> although, although, In France. <laughs> <laughs> although Moody's today came out and seems a lot more optimistic than S&P, Moody's actually said that it expects the economy to improve and expects that additional measures to, to reduce the deficit will be taken um, and will be in place by yeah. 2013. They were not quite as positive as Warren Buffett, their largest shareholder, who said that the U.S. should be quadruple A. So. Yeah. And, yeah. And so in return, S&P downgraded uh, Berkshire's debt today. <laughs> now, now, we don't so know. So you've got, you've got correlation possibly. Berkshire and Moody's on one side and S&P on the other. Well, but and that has to do with the fact that so much of Berkshire, Berkshire has $47 billion in cash and a lot of it is in treasuries. I mean, they don't, you know. And, and Tim, we talked about this on last week's radio show um, before the downgrade happened. Um, but in terms of people seeking the safe investment or just trying to go somewhere safe with their money, where can they go? Uh, you know, I'd be interested to see if at some point these rating agencies go from sort of an absolute curve where, you know, there are certain standards associated with AAA and, and AA and, and, and so on and so forth and end up with a more relative rating system. So, I mean, you know, AAA country is the country that's the best prepared relative to its peers, whereas, you know, the average might end up being something lower than that in the future because most countries are headed in the wrong direction in terms of fiscal sanity. Yeah. Um, but but if I can't stomach all this volatility, I mean, is it, time I don't to, know. is it time to basically think cash? Is it time to think gold? I think I think the answer is the answer that it's always been, which is a very well-diversified portfolio across asset classes because I, I, I truly do not think you can rely on any single one of them. No. To, to protect you, you know, not bonds, not stocks, not treasuries, not gold, not land. You know, but, but if you put them all together and smash them together in one portfolio, you know, maybe one will be 
will go up when the other goes down, and that's stability. If you want, if you want to avoid volatility, oddly enough, U.S. Treasuries is still the best place. Uh, but if, I mean, to me, people who are looking at safety, there are stocks that have dropped thirty and forty percent in the last two weeks. You want to talk about something that's you know where the safety profile has increased. It's those kinds of companies because some of them. I mean, you look at Johnson Johnson. Johnson Johnson is a, is a triple A credit company by itself. So without a social security obligation, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Plus, they make Tylenol, so that's helpful. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think uh, I think you've got to look at certain common stocks at this point because they've dropped to a point. I mean, you know, obviously, you're not getting away from the volatility, but from a safety profile, buying stocks cheap is pretty safe. And Tim, in terms of common stocks, how about a few names on your radar right now? You know, I would look at, you know, if you believe the argument that some corporates are more credit worthy than some than some governments at this point, which I think is a fair argument to make, you know, you want to look at things like Johnson & Johnson, Walmart, Coca-Cola, Berkshire Hathaway, these things that are holding massive war chests of cash, um, have no obligations and have really healthy operating businesses underlying them to create more cash going forward. You know, one thing I would do is I, you know, get out your computer, look at how things did how specific stocks did during the 0809 period if you're scared of you know a repeat of that scenario which is of course being bandied about a lot today and there are companies that uh, were particularly susceptible to uh, consumers tightening up their spending and there those that weren't McDonald's sort of sailed through that time period that yeah. the chart looks beautiful from then to today uh, but you know there are certain things that were yeah you know, more discretionary than than quick food uh, that, that really got slaughtered and almost went to zero. And um, wrapping up here, as we watch this unfold, what's one part of this story that you're really watching, that you're keeping an eye on to gauge the health of the market or the economy? I think it's what Bill brought up earlier, which is how, how do politicians react to this, you know, heading into an election season? Is it going to be a mature reaction or an immature reaction? And that's going to tell you a lot about where the country is headed. Yeah. Okay, Tim. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, guys. Tim Hansen from Motley Fool Global Gains and from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Mann and Bill Barker. Guys, thanks. Thanks, thanks Matt. Thank you. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Um, Tim mentioned earlier we have a great chat online. You can check that out at fool.com. Um, all about dealing with the market sell-off here. So just go to fool.com for um, the Motley Fool's live chat or archive chat on today's events. I'm Matt Greer, and we will see you next time.